Okay, Lord, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love your word. Father, would you breathe on us this morning? Would you bring revelation into your house, God? Would you bring hope into your temple? <laughs> would you commune with us through your written word? Lord, your word has never been disproved. <laughs> I just, I love God that you gave us the written word so we could seek you and know you, Jesus. God, would you use it to captivate us and to transform us? We don't want to look like the world. We don't want to look like the world, Lord. We want to look like you, Jesus. So, Father, would you use your word to peel things off of us that look like the world, that look like the conformity of culture, God? Would you peel those things off of us and would you renew us by the power of your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you know that, that we're not actually supposed to look like the world? We're not congruent with the culture of the world. Did you know that? Did you know that we're actually supposed to be a force that brings friction and tension into the world, that we actually carry the truth as the world walks in deception? So how many of you know that the world is really polarized right now, especially in our country? Have you noticed? Have you watched the news lately? It's, it's a little bit divided. Probably hasn't been this divided since the Civil War as far as I can remember, but we're in a season of polarization and that might be a little bit scary if you don't know the bigger picture. But how many of you know that polarization is a seedbed of revival? <laughs> I'll try it again. Polarization is a seedbed of revival. When there is polarization on the earth, not in the church, but on the earth, it's actually foretelling of the sign of the times that God is bringing renewal and revival onto the earth. <laughs> that's exciting, right? So we don't have to watch the news and go, man, I wish they would just get it together and peace, kumbaya. We don't have to worry about that. We can say, Lord, we want to partner with what you're doing because we can see that you are bringing a sword of division into our nation, not just to rile people up, not just to get people angry, but because you're revealing the truth. And to reveal the truth, you have to expose deception. <laughs> This is why the church needs to wake up. We need to get the smelling salts from heaven. We need to be sober and awake so that we can understand that this is not just a time of tribulation. It's a preparing for the birthing of God's glory to be manifested on earth in a way that's never been experienced by humans before. Man, I don't want to miss it. I was born to live today. So that means today I have to be sober to what's God, what God is doing so I don't miss my purpose. Polarization is not something to be afraid of. It's something to, to, to look to and say, man, God is doing something new on the earth. Jesus said it like this. Go to Luke chapter 12. Sorry, I didn't key up the, the scripture verses. You'll just have to do it the old-fashioned way and go to your Bible. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 49 Jesus said, like, said it like this, I have come to set the world on fire, <laughs> Yeesh. and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. 
So that's not a scripture you're going to find framed at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> you're not going to find that one. It's, it's confrontational. It's aggressive. It, it, it holds no bar, but it's the truth. Jesus didn't come to unite people around deception. He came to bring a sword of division. <laughs> now, you might be thinking, well, isn't that kind of like contradictory to his, his plan of reconciliation and unity on the earth? No, because you can't reconcile to deception. You can't unify around falsities. You have to know the truth, and the only way to know the truth is to be divided from deception. So Jesus said, I've come to bring a sort of division. I've come to polarize the earth. I've come to bring a choice. And he's saying, church, wake up and be a part of making the choice. See, we're living in a time in society, American Western society in particular, where there is no more oxygen in a space to, to ride the fence of faith. You have to make a choice. He's making it abundantly clear. He's not, he's not making it wishy-washy or, well, you can kind of compromise here and be radical over here or you can, you can dabble a little bit in sin over here and, and be all in over here. No, you actually have to make a choice and that is part of his strategy for end time revival. See, Jesus came to bring division to the earth. <laughs> he came to bring division into your heart. There's things in your heart that you're wrestling with right now, and unless you know the truth, you can't make the choice to follow it. See, when the earth says, when the world says your identity is based on how you feel, the church needs to rise up and declare your identity is in Christ and in him is life and eternal living. See, he's, he's polarizing the church from the world right now. He's, he's dividing us. He's shaking us up, not to just shake us, but so that we go, yeah, you know what? We can't live as the world is living anymore. We can't make it in here like it is out there because we won't be able to influence what we've become. See, if you're not aware of that right now, you'll look at the division and you'll go, oh, Lord, please help us. Get us out of this mess. And the Lord goes, man, I'm taking you all the way in. I'm going to make it even messier. And I hope you're aware of what I'm doing because I've come to bring division to the earth. It's kind of scary, isn't it? doesn't have to be. doesn't have to be because he's a, good, he's a good God. He's a good father. He has a good plan. But it's got to be his plan, not your plan. <laughs> See, we, we, we might confuse ourselves for God sometimes, but it doesn't make a, make a difference. He's still going to do what he's purposed to do. See, it, it might actually get a little bit worse, but you don't have to worry because the victory belongs to the Lord. See, if you're worried about what he's doing on the earth, you may have taken your eyes off of him and made something in you, made a motive in you, your idol and your God. See, worry is actually a byproduct of being led by what you don't understand. Let me try again. Worry is a byproduct of being led by what you don't understand. As we come to Jesus, he reveals to us his, his heavenly wisdom, his heavenly plan, and we become consumed by his glory, consumed by his beauty. Worry starts to leave, doesn't it? We start to forget what we can't control, and we become consumed by following him. 
So we don't have to be worried about the Lord bringing division to the earth because this is part of his plan. This is part of him revealing his glory. Polarization is a good thing. Now, it's not so we can be angry, riled up, throwing stones, uh, condemning Christians. It's so that we can be filled with his love to declare the truth to a dying world. See, if you know the truth and you're not preaching it to people you know are headed in the wrong direction, you're actually going to be responsible for the eternal destination that they end up in. That's a, that should rile you up a little bit. That should wake you up. If you know the truth and you're withholding it from people who are headed to destruction, you're actually going to be responsible for that as you stand before God. Now, I'm not saying your salvation is going to be taken away. I'm not saying that you're going to be eternally damned. I'm saying that you've been given the gift of truth, and now it's your responsibility to reveal that truth to the earth around you. And the Lord does that by bringing division. Because if you just walk in conformity, you can't be the light. You guys okay? Pretty heavy topic, I know. But it's just the word. Go to Kings. We'll get, we'll get there, guys. We'll be okay. Second Kings, actually. Verse 1. A.W. Tozer said this. You guys awake? A.W. Tozer said this. If the Holy Spirit was sucked out of the Western church, 95% of the things that we did would go on without a hitch. Nobody would ever know the difference. If the Holy Spirit was taken from the Acts church, from the first church, 95% of what they were doing would have stopped. And everybody would have wondered what was going wrong. <laughs> you understand that? We, we don't need to look like the world. We need to be anointed in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's actually a crisis in the Western church, right? There is a crisis. There is a new Barnum study. Who reads Barnum studies? Anybody in here? Nobody? Okay, I do. They're pretty good. You should read them every once in a while. There's a new study where they polled a thousand pastors, and they asked these thousand pastors from all sorts of denominations, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, non-denominational, they asked them questions to figure out if they had a biblical view of the world around them. And you know what they found out? Only 37% of senior pastors in the United States have a biblical worldview. That's terrible, isn't it? 37%. It gets worse. 13% of teaching pastors have a biblical worldview, and only 12% of youth and children's pastors have a biblical worldview. Isn't that terrible? That's terrible. There's a, a problem, there's a disease in the American church, and it's the desire to conform to the world. See, we, we have to understand this because the enemy is not trying to show his hand. He's just trying to get you to creep closer and closer and closer to complacency and conformity to the things of the world. And the Lord says, I'm bringing polarization. I'm bringing a dividing sword so that you can see the truth in the midst of deception and make a choice, a conscious choice to declare my truth in the midst of darkness. Amen. All right. Second Kings. So Second Kings is a story just after King Ahab and Jezebel die, right? They're wicked kings of Israel, and they're leading the Israelites into deception. They're, they're causing them to worship idols, and they've just died. 
and King Ahab's son, Ahaziah, which is really hard to say, so forgive me, Ahaziah has come to the throne, and it turns out he's just as wicked as his dad is. Well, Ahaziah is uh, a foolish king. He's leading Israel into idolatry, and one day he falls out of a window and has a life-threatening injury. It's a pretty terrible situation for him. Uh, being an evil king, he decides that he wants to seek out spiritual guidance for his healing. He wants, to, he wants to look for something greater than himself to find physical healing. So he sends a servant out, and he tells the servant to go to the god of Ekron to, to see if he will live or die. And as he's going out to Ekron, he's intercepted by Elijah. Now, Elijah is an Old Testament prophet. He's a revivalist. He's a man of God. But how many of you know that when you read about Elijah, you don't need to read about him as a man in the church. He's a picture of the church. Did you know that? When we read about Elijah, we like to make him like the, the man of our, or the man of power for the hour or the face in the place because we like that. We like to have an image to what we desire. But Elijah in the Old Testament is a picture of the New Testament church. Every one of us have the same anointing and, and availability of God moving through our lives as Elijah did in the Old Testament. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't feel like I do. You do. Elijah is a picture of the church in the New Testament. Okay, so Elijah is in Tabish. He's hanging out there doing his thing, and he has a vision from the Lord to intercept this servant, and he intercepts him. And we'll be in verse 3 right here. But the angel of the Lord told Elijah, who is from Tishbe, excuse me, go and confront the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is there no God in Israel? Why are you going to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether, whether the king will recover? Now, therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will never leave the bed you're lying on, and you will surely die. So Elijah went to deliver the message. So Elijah goes, he intercepts the, the messenger, and he says this to him. And basically what Elijah says is, hey, tell your master, the king, that the path he's on is going to lead him to death. That although he's searching for life, although he's looking for revitalization, although he's looking for something greater than himself, the path he's on is actually the path to death. How many of you know this is the same message that John the Baptist and Jesus will eventually preach? Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. See, in our religious minds, we read that as Elijah condemning uh, King Ahaziah to death. But he's actually trying to stop him from continuing on this path that will actually lead him to death. He says, repent. There's something better. There's actually a God in Israel. He's not a statue or an idol or hidden in a closet. He is Adonai, Yahweh, Yeshua, and if you turn from these false idols and turn to him, you'll find life. See, this is the message the world needs. The world needs this message, repent, because not just that you're, you're, you're sick with your sin, repent because the kingdom of God is available to you. The kingdom of God is available to you. And he preaches this message, and you know what King Ahaziah says to him? No, that's not good. You're a racist. You're a bigot. Go and capture that guy. He didn't actually say that, but I, must, I assume he said that. He says to him, oh, that's not a good message. I don't want to hear that. I want my idols. And he sends a captain with 50 guards out to Elijah who's sitting on top of a hill. And then the 50 guards get to Elijah, and they say to Elijah, hey, you made the king mad. 
come down here. He wants you to get off that hill and come to him now. And what does Elijah say to him? You guys have read this story, I'm sure. He says, if I'm a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume you where you stand. And what happens? And fire came from heaven. And it's really kind of a crazy story, isn't it? That consumes the 50 soldiers and the, the captain. And everyone's probably like, whoa, that was wild. But King Ahaziah does not learn his lesson. He sends another 50 out there. He sends another 50. And he has the, the new captain of the new 50 say to him, the king, man of God, the king demands at once that you come off the hill and you come to him so that he can speak to you. And what does Elijah say to him? Same thing. If I am a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and may it lick up every one of you. And what, is ha what happens? It, it does. It falls from heaven. Crazy situation. The king does not learn his lesson. He sends another. Fool me once. Fool me twice. Fool me three times. You must be King Ahaziah. Sends out the third legion of soldiers. They get there. This time they humble themselves. And they say this. O oh man of God, please spare my life and the lives of these, your 50 servants. See how the fire from heaven came down and destroyed the first two groups. But now please spare my life. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, now go down with him and don't be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went with him to the king. Okay, it's a little bit different situation there. Now, let me ask you a question. What was Elijah doing? What God told him to do. It wasn't a trick question. He was just doing what God told him to do. What, what was the difference between the first two groups of, of soldiers and the last group of soldiers? The fear of God. Now, let me ask you a couple more questions. Did Elijah rebel against the king and say, no, he wouldn't come down? He didn't do that, did he? He actually, he just was being obedient to God. He just said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down. Now, do you think the last group of soldiers actually gave their lives to God before they went to Elijah? Probably not, but they had a healthy fear of him, didn't they? See, here's the thing that we like to do in the church. We want to fight on God's behalf, don't we? We actually want to be the one who throws the haymakers. We want to be the ones who does God's will for him. When God is saying, no, if you'll just do what I say and humble yourself before me, I'll fight through you. See, and there's a message the church needs to, to be preaching right now. Repent and be saved, receive the kingdom. But we want to do it in our own strength rather than in God's strength. See, all Elijah did was do what God said for him to do. And he never called fire down. He just said, if I am who you say I am, let's let my God preach on my behalf. And as you come before me, he's going to fight behind what I say. See, we don't have to be angry. We don't have to be throwing our fists in, in rage. Why is everybody so stupid and we're so smart? We just need to declare who God is and allow him to take care of the rest. <laughs> and as we allow God to fight his battles and as we just become orators of who he is, people will develop a healthy fear of him. And they'll begin to praise him because of who he is, not of what we said. See, here's the problem. We want people to believe what we say is the truth. And none of us came to God because of what somebody said. All of us came to God because of what he did in our lives. 
See, and this is what was happening there. Elijah was painting a picture. He was showing us as the church how we must respond to, to wicked authority, to idolatry in the land. We don't need to bow down and be afraid of what the truth is. We just need to speak it. And as we speak the truth, we'll give permission to God to be who he is and have his own experiences with people who don't know him on his terms. <laughs> but you have to be confident in what he said for you to do. Where did God tell Elijah to go? To sit up on a hill. And when did he tell him to come off the hill to go see the king? After the guards received who he was. You see, Elijah wasn't doing anything in his own purpose. He was doing it in God's purpose. And today, the best thing you can do to preach God's glorious message to the earth is do what he's told you to do. And you're like, well, I didn't get an angel encounter. I, you know, I haven't had an angel show up to me. I'd like to propose to you that people who get the angel encounters are the hardest headed of all of, all of us. <laughs> it's just the truth. We have the word. We have it written in writing. We have Jesus' word living among us. You, you, you might get the, the, the opportunity to encounter an angel. You might get the, the, the privilege to stand before an angel, but he's already told you through his word. See, angels are just messengers of what he's already said. Angels are, are commissioned to, to repeat what's already been echoed through eternity. And I'm sorry if you've had angel encounters. I actually wish I had one. I'm a little bit jealous. But if you've had one, he's just reaffirmed what he's already said through his word. See, and if we want to change the world, we don't have to get riled up about what we don't understand. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid of what doesn't make sense. We just need to be obedient to his word and then proclaim it to the earth. What did Matthew, uh, Jesus say in Matthew 5? Matthew 5, verse 14. Remember, Elijah was a picture of the church. Where was he sitting? Trick question, on a hill. He was sitting on a hill. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5? You are the light of the world, like a city on top of a... <laughs> See, God has already positioned his church to sit in an anointing and authority seat as Elijah did. He's already given you access to everything you need. He's already given you power. He's already given you anointing. He's already said yes and amen to what he wants to do in your life. You just have to do what he said to do. You just have to be available to what he wants to say through you. <laughs> okay, I'm glad a few of us are catching up to speed. I just, I just hope that maybe you might be stirred to be who Jesus said you are today. Because huh. here's the thing, you might go home and you might get on your Facebook, you might get on the news and see all the things that are going wrong and go, man, I just, I hate how the world is today. Huh. Or you might go home as, a, as the church, as a city on top of a hill and say, God, you've given me all authority in heaven and on earth to preach the gospel where you've called me and I'm not going to be complacent and I'm not going to conform. I'm going to walk in the authority that Elijah walked in. I'm going to walk in the promise that Abraham walked in. And I'm going to declare your truth where you call me to declare it, regardless of what could happen for me. Because I don't need to fight for you. I need to let you fight through me. 
See, you can just come to church if you want. That's totally fine. Or you can be the city on a hill. You can be the church. You can sit as Elijah sat. You can speak as Elijah spoke. <laughs> you just probably need to get over yourself a little bit. <laughs> you just need to understand Proverbs 30, what Agur said. I'm too stupid to be human. I don't know the Holy One. You might need to just humble yourself and understand, man, I need to get before you, Jesus, and be filled with your knowledge and be filled with your wisdom so I can do what you've called me to do. You can see why the sons of thunders wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans who didn't receive the good news. Remember that? They go to Samaria and, and they try to preach and they didn't receive it. Sons of thunders like, let's do what Elijah did. We've read the scripture, Jesus. We know what to do. We call down that fire. We lick those suckers up. Boom, your authority is revealed. <laughs> what does Jesus do? He rebukes them. He rebukes them. He says, I'm going to pour fire on them, but not like that. I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit on them if you'll bless them, if you'll speak the truth to them, if you'll commit to them, if you'll allow yourself to die on their behalf. See, we want the, the world to change. We want revival to come, but we're not letting go of our, we're not willing to let go of ourselves. We're not willing to, to go to the prayer closet and wrestle with God for our enemies' lives to be spared. We're not willing to give ourselves up and say, Lord, use me however you need to use me so that your gospel will be preached. <laughs> so Jesus rebukes the, the disciples for wanting to call down fire because they've got an old covenant mentality in a new covenant season. They want their enemies to be vanquished. Instead of wanting to see their enemies be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit, they want to call fire down on their enemies. And the Lord goes, you don't need to do that. I can fight my own battles. I don't know if you know this, but I'm Adonai. I'm the king of kings. I've got angels waiting for me to say go, and they can wipe everyone out on this map. I don't need your help. I need you to partner with what I'm doing on the earth. <laughs> it's the same call in the church today. You don't need to fight for God. You don't need to, 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 to rally the troops. You don't need to, to, to throw his punches for him. You just need to go where he's calling you to go, say what he's calling you to say, and partner with what he's doing and the people he's called you to. And I've been saved for a decade and a half now. And I've had this call in my heart for revival. Just, just I don't know where it came from. You know, I, I just, I came into the, 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 the kingdom just a total mess. But even then, even then, I just had this desire and this burden on my heart. God, bring revival. I don't even know what that, I still don't know what that means. It's just like in me. I don't know. It's just been in me forever. And I've been saying it for a long time. And I'm not the only one. There's lots of people God has burdened with a call for revival. I'm so thankful he planted me in this church with the Raglins and, and the Cates and some others who have this same call. But there's just something in me. And there's something else that's come into my spirit now. And I don't know what to do with it. But I hear the Lord saying, this is what you've been praying for. This is the opportunity you've been crying out for. Don't miss this season. Don't allow yourself to grow cold. Don't become complacent. I've actually brung division to the earth, not to destroy you, but to send revival as you've been crying out. And I don't want to miss out on what he's doing. I want to be saturated with his plan so I can partner with heaven in bringing his kingdom to the earth.
Joshua 5, Joshua's going to the promised land. He's got to go through Jericho, right? He's got to go through Jericho. You've got the Jordan River. Then you've got the evil city, walled city of Jericho. And then you've got the promised land. And he's on his way to the promised land. And he has an, another, there's another angel encounter that happens. It says a man shows up before him. It's an angel. And Joshua says to him, are you on our side or are you on their side? What does the angel say? I command the Lord of heaven's armies. What are you talking about sides? <laughs> and then Joshua falls on his face and he, and he repents and he says, I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. And this is what the church needs to grab hold of. You're not on a side. You don't need to pick a side. That's actually what the devil wants you to do is be distracted by picking a side. There is a better solution and his name is Jesus. And he's calling you to what he's doing rather than what the tribes of the earth are doing. See, we need to be saturated with the plan of heaven. This is, this is our time as a church to partner with what God has, is doing and has done. He's sifting away the apostate church. He's sifting away the reliance of government. He's sifting away all the things that we hold dear to. And he's saying, are you going to lock eyes with me and partner with me and bring a revival? Or are you going to sit on your hands and be angry at what you don't understand? There's never been a time like this. There's never been a people like this people. And the Lord says, are you going to commit yourself to my purposes? Are you going to be filled with my boldness? Are you going to carry my word to the ends of the earth and declare boldly who I am so I can do what only I can do through your life? Amen. Stand up. We're going to pray. We'll get the worship team. I just, right now, all distraction, I break you off in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we, we come before you humbly right now. We come before you humbly, oh God. And we ask that you would fall on us, your people. Fall on us, your people. Father, we don't want to be consumed with the plans of the earth. We don't want to be distracted with the enemy line, God. We want to be bold with the kingdom of heaven. Father, we want to preach the same message that you're preaching now. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Father, you said in 1 Peter, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So, Father, would you come and would you search us now? Would you search us now, God? Would you search us now? Would you search us, God? Would you crucify in us that which looks like the world, that that has conformed with a spirit of complacency? God, would you crucify every idol in our heart, every place where we've, we've made ourselves God? Would you crucify that now? Father, would you baptize us anew in your spirit? Would you refresh us with, with, with rain from heaven? Would you pour your fire out upon your people? Would you just cry out to him now with me? Lord, would you help us, God? Would you help us, God? Would you help us, God? Father, we want revival. We want it in Appalachia, God. We want it on the earth, God. Would you pour out revival on your people, Lord? 
Would you send times of refreshing upon us, God? Lord, we repent and we humble ourselves and we ask that you would heal our land, Jesus. That you would heal our land, Jesus.